Hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about commitments, setting your intentions, restarting your routine, and committing to you from day one. Body Armor Light, the low-calorie, zero-sugar-added sports drink. Shop now on Amazon.com. questions from Bang's 1971 self-titled debut album. Now, this legendary metal rock trio features Frank Ferrara on bass and lead vocals, Tony DiOrio on drums, and Frank Gilkin on guitar. We're excited to have both Franks on the show today to talk about Bang's 45th anniversary of their critically acclaimed debut album and the release of their new biography, You've got to read this. Anybody into rock has got to read it. I, I say it reads like a rock and roll candy store. You just, I want to reread it again because it's, they not only do you have their story, which is amazing and fun and interesting, <laughs> as every rock and roll story should be, uh, but it really gives you some of the history of rock in this country, how music got into stadiums, as, you know, because before it was here, bar bands and things like that. Now, how did it get into a stadium? 
and the festival fever that was hitting the whole country. And it's just a really good read. It talks about what was going on in the country at the time, and it's amazing how much they got in this little book. So check it out. It's called The Bang Story, From the Basement to the Bright Lights. And they wrote this with Lawrence Knorr, and you can go to bangmusic.com to get it. They're also on Facebook under this great name, Bang the Band. <laughs> so everybody, uh, let's get Frank. <laughs> Frank, what did it say? Yeah, it's a, it's a trio, everybody. Uh, Frank, oh, welcome my. to the show. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. Uh, good, to, good to be here with Lisa, Nancy and Lisa. Uh, hey. Bang the Band, yes. You know, it, it's funny. I don't think we could have picked a better name uh, 45 no. years ago. Uh, no. But I'm Frank Ferreira, and uh, Frank Gilkin is the gentleman uh, laughing on the other side. Yes. And, and we're Good, to call you Frankie. Good to be here. I know you guys say Frankie throughout the book, so if we call you Frankie, he has not gone to Hollywood. He's right here. But um, good, good to have you both here. Frankie, um, I, let's just get right into this. I mean, you, you were, like, into the fashion. What was that like, getting into, like, suddenly – you got glam at one point. You started wearing like platform stilettos. I mean, what what turned you on to do that? <laughs> uh, boy, that's a good question. Uh, it, it just as we progressed, uh, that's what the, the times were doing. You know, Every, everybody was starting to dress nicer on stage. When we first came out, everybody was just wearing jeans and you know and and stuff like that, with the exception of Hendrix. But uh, and uh, there was no real good reason except uh we we like the clothes we like to dress it up on stage and and uh you know i did want to look like a part of the audience all the time right <laughs> but, but you, i think what is so great about you guys it's it's like reading your story it's like we had a band um for a couple of years and then all hell broke loose and people got arrested and all kinds of stuff they broke up on stage great great stories you know, one turned out to be a rapist. I mean, it was like crazy. And then this person was on drugs and, you know. And, uh, but well, we've never play, done any of that. So. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, so, but we would sit there. Nancy Matt, who is our bass player and unfortunately has since passed, um, we would sit and have these aspirations and really work and read everything we could about music and rock and practice. what we wanted. I mean, practice. We practice in crazy places. But... There was this thing, I mean, just how important rock is. And you look at people like David Grohl, who's like this rock ambassador, of, you know, that we don't lose sight of what real rock is. And reading your story made me so excited because I, I feel like sometimes we've kind of lost what rock is. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Frank, can you tell us a little story about that? Because you both started playing when you were kids together, but you started off really young getting into this. Oh boy, um, yeah, we did. But you know, think think about when we started. Uh, the British invasion was taken over, and there was so much great music. I mean, mm, from yeah. from Cream to even the mm. Monkees and Paul Revere and the Raiders, and you know, there, there was so much going on. And being kids, we were able to uh, to really absorb all that. And I, I think we we were lucky to grow up in a generation where, uh, you know, you talk about the Bang album coming out in '71. I always looked at it, Nancy. That was that was seven years after the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. So when you look back at the history of music, you know that was just seven years after t TV was still black and white back then. You know, um, mm. so we were able to grow up in an era where, where everything was new and different, and we were able to absorb all that because we we felt that, you know, to create your own sound, you had to to work at it. And mm -hmm. you talk about you guys rehearsing. We were together for 18 months, 24/7. I mean, we lived in each other's mm -hmm. pockets, and and we really became a band by putting that much discipline and focus in, in what we really believed. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, and and the bands that we grew up with kind of forged what we became. And uh, mm -hmm. and I think you know our music, uh, even though it sounds a little bit like several different bands, that in reality uh, we had our own sound and we, we captured you know. Uh, what Bang was, which was uh, a combination of a lot of things. So uh, how how it happened, how it happened, I have no idea. I'm just glad it did because we're sitting here 45 years later uh, talking about songs we wrote as, you know, 17, 18-year-olds. So I, oh, the fact cool. – 
I just have to say, it took me that that song just took me right back to one of my favorite hangouts when I was growing up was Griffith Park, and every Sunday people sure. would just nobody said anything, just tons of people would go to Griffith Park with their picnic basket and a lot and of their blankets <laughs> and bands yeah, would just show that's, up that's, and play. That's what happened before we signed a record deal. There was a, a little park in Wilmington, Delaware where everybody would go and hang out yeah. and, and just throw the frisbee and they would set yeah. up a flatbed truck and bands would show up and play. And in and, and reality, I think our second show, we did two shows like that where we just played in the park on a Saturday afternoon along with, you know, five and six other bands and, and just enjoyed uh, the music with, uh, you know, likewise, like-minded people. So it was, mm. it was a great time. But things were so much different then. Uh, it, the whole vibration of life was a, a different pace back then. Uh, mm. Expectations were a lot different. You know, reality was a lot different. Yeah. So. I, I do want to talk about this part, too. And, and we'll get into how you actually got your break uh, in a little second here. But, you know, talking about your debut album being Bang, um, from what I understood that you had Death of a Country album was actually what you first recorded together. That's correct. correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was a concept album. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what we worked on for a year and a half, and, uh, rehearsing and uh, writing. And when Capitol heard it, they wanted to sign us, but they wanted us to be, they, they literally said, more like Led Zeppelin, Grand Funk, and Black Sabbath, which were fine because we loved all the bands. Uh, Death of a Country, they said, nobody wants to release a concept album for your first album maybe later on down the road. So, uh, mm-hmm. but Death of a, I mean, lyrically, musically, that's what we were, I mean, we're into everything, but that was real original. Uh, that was the initial bang. And if you listen to the first album, now the bang album, you can hear a lot of the stuff from Death of a Country and the bang album, just just more concise, not as, mm. not as many chord changes, things like that. Well, you build, and, and listening to you, and the two of you are really tight together. I mean, you can hear it, and you, you. I, I always think a band is a marriage, and I think definitely you guys, and, and I want to touch on Tony, too, because all of a sudden, I mean, the trio got split up, which, that sucks. I mean, I think the record yeah. industry and the music industry, it, it's, it's tough because you're creating something. You have to put it out there and be proud of, you know, your creation, and then industry can come in and say, sorry, um, we're we're going to, you know, kill this baby over here that you've written. Right. Or we're well, going to change that, the that, that's Hollywood. marriage. That, that is exactly Hollywood. Uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, I didn't know I didn't know till years later what they did to Tony and bringing Bruce Gary in on drums was an everyday occurrence out there. Hmm. Uh, they had the Wrecking Crew, you know, which did, you know, all the Beach Boy stuff. And, you know, that was normal. But we... You know, I we always thought of the band as a marriage, mm. you know, and like a winning football team, you know, when things just gel right, you know, mm. and and back then there was a lot of those. But right, once Hollywood got involved, it starts to they don't look at the creativity and the and mm. marriage I, between the musicians as much. You know, I mean, I for have, instance, you just said David Grohl, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, thank God for him. You know, because we just lost probably one of the best in Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah, I you know, man. It's really sad because I, as I told Frank, as soon as I heard the news, I said, you know, that was the last of one of the great bands. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, the they had a couple. God, even the traveling Wilburys, man. You know, right. everything. Exactly. You know, to get back to your point, Nance, I think what you're talking about uh, music business. Uh, what we learned real quick was that it's not the music business. It's the business of music. It's like selling yeah. shoes. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, they take the heart out of music and, and it, be, it becomes a product. And, mm. and I don't know, music and, and white socks and, you know, uh, they're not in the same ballgame. You know, anything creative can't really be commercial, I don't think. You know, that's when you take the heart out of it. You know, if you take mm-hmm. the heart out of it, then, then really what do you have? Nothing. So oh, it's, then it's they the asked you. I couldn't believe it when it's they the asked you. Capital asked you to write um, I am, a song like "I Am Woman" by Helen Reddy. I, I almost fell off my chair when I was reading this. I was like, "What? What the hell's wrong with you?" You know, that's exactly what you're saying. I mean, that's how they go to that. I mean, how can how they do even you think, how do you say think that? We felt? 
How do you think we yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the, like the interesting story of all that. The interesting story of all that is is we kept trying. To, we were always told by um, you know Capital and by our publisher Jimmy Einer from Cam USA that you need to you need to do this. You need to do that because we need to hit record. We need to hit record. And you know, questions wasn't even actually supposed to be on the album. We're the ones that forced that down the producer's throat to put that on. But they kept saying you need to write like hell and ready. And you know, we even did on the third of the music album. We did it must be love. I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. And we had the raspberries come in and do backgrounds to be more pop and more commercialized. Mm. And the, the, the whole thing is... is we were kids. They were just telling us what we needed to do. And we were fortunate enough that we were creative enough that we could create whatever they wanted us to do. But they were taking, as, as time went on, they were taking the heart out of the writing. Then we were trying to write different types mm-hmm. of songs instead of just writing, you know, the way we write. And, and, uh, and did the other Tony thing do most of the lyrics and, and no, the writing? 99, 99% of the lyrics was always Tony, yeah. But mm-hmm. um, to, to speak about it, you know, it's funny that, you know, you did two albums a year back then, too, uh, Nance and Lisa. Um, wow. So That's a lot. If, you know, we, 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 we did Death of the Country, the Bang album, the Mother album, and Must Be Love, I mean, the music album, in a year and a half. So, wow. You know, that's a, that's a lot of uh, style change in such a short period of time. But that mm-hmm. was dictated by Capitol, you know, uh, but we're proud of all the records. Uh, like Frankie said, you know, as a songwriter, you basically um, try to write uh, is um, uh, to have variety in your writing. And, not, you know, mm. if I had to make the same record all the time, I, I would have quit a long time ago, you know, because you right. have to grow. You can't mm-hmm. stay in the same same position forever, you know. So, so but, yeah, um, it, you know, it's just good stuff. Uh we, we uh, were able to bond that 18 months really made us a band and it, it made us ready for um, uh, going to Florida and uh, buying some rolling papers. And we got to talk about the zigzags because this is, a, I was like, this is, it, you guys need to have a movie made. Okay. Number one, this should be I a agree. movie because number one, any, Stoner, any rock and roller knows that, okay, your life is going to change. Your big break is going to come from rolling papers after driving from Philadelphia down to Florida. So where were you in Florida when you decided to stop for rolling papers? Frank, you want to tell us what? Yeah, Daytona Beach. Daytona we Beach. partied there. That's a, that, that's that's a crazy it. place. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happened what was happened? that we were – Frankie decided we should go up to the boardwalk, and it was a boardwalk mm-hmm. in Daytona Beach is maybe, you know, maybe 100 yards long. It's very small, and uh, somebody approached us, you know, you guys want some weed, and I was able to buy a, a, a four-finger ounce of Colombian gold for $15, and we had no rolling papers, and it was almost 9 o'clock, and, and it's like, man, you know, we need to get some papers. We need to get some papers. We ran up to the boardwalk, and the first store we saw happened to be a record store and um you know the guy's ready to close the door and we kind of stuck our foot in and said please please you know we need some papers and he was nice enough to to let us in and while we were paying for the papers there was a poster on the wall a battle of the bands and we mentioned that you know that we were we had a band and we had our equipment in the u-haul and and you know we said we love to play that show and they said man that's an old poster you know and then he started to mess with mess with our heads a little bit and said, uh, "Well, hey, you know, um, Small Faces and uh, Deep, you know, Deep Purple are, are playing in Orlando. Why don't you go there? Maybe they'll let you play." You know, being a smartass. So we got the papers. We left. We went back to the campground in our tent, and we're we're, we're smoking. We're drinking a little bit of beer, and and we're psyching ourselves up. It's like, well, what the hell? You know, we're we're, we're going to Miami. Why don't we go to Orlando? And you know, we, we psyched ourselves up. 
eight o'clock in the morning, we, we figured out where we were going. And uh, lo and behold, when we got there, um, you know, they didn't have security in 1971. We were able to physically drive the station wagon in the U-Haul through the chain metal fence right behind the auditorium. Nobody stopped us. I mean, there was no security. <laughs> this and is the greatest proceeded... thing about being young. <laughs> oh, man. And we, you know, we're, we're scared. We're, like, kind of nervous waiting to get arrested. We walk in, and Shoko's setting up the PA, and nobody said a word to us. You know, we just it looked like we were part of the crew, a bunch of long hairs. So we walked to the back of the auditorium and knocked on the door. And um, is cursing allowed on your show? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, okay, I'm just saying, right. If anybody's got a well, problem with this, a... hold your ears. No, well, this is true. Exactly, it's such a common word these days. So anyway, we were we were so stoked that we hadn't gotten stopped yet. We knocked on the door, and this guy opens the door, and I'm not sure exactly who said it. Maybe we all said it in unison, but we said we're bang, we're from Philly, and we're the best fucking band in the world. We want to play tonight, you know. And waiting to get arrested. And, and the guy, it just so happened, Nance, Lisa, it could have been the janitor, okay? It just so happened <laughs> that the guy that opened the door was the promoter of the show, you know, who had just gotten there 10 minutes before we did. And he looked at us and says, oh, he says, you have your equipment. And we said, it's right out in the U-Haul. We said, pull it up, you know, pull, the, pull it in and set up. I want to hear what you got. So we're flipping out. We pull the station wagon in in the middle of uh, – the auditorium on the cement floor and yanked our trainer amps out and started playing some of the death of the country. And he came back, you know, after a few songs, said, you know what? He says, you guys sound really good. And plus you got balls, you know, the size of basketballs. He said, I'm going to let you open up the show tonight. So uh, within 72 hours of just taking a trip, uh, hoping to find something, um, we left Claymont, Delaware, and here we are opening up for a, Faces, uh, Rod Stewart, and uh, Deep Purple. Deep Purple, uh, which, man. Which, wow. Which, which, which happened to be right about when Machine Head came out. And, you know, wow. the um, smoke on the water was starting to burst. So here we are. The fact that we needed rolling papers, um, you know, less than 24 hours later got us uh, to Orlando to open up uh, with all those great, great artists. So hey, that's so how it started for us. That is, it's such an amazing story, too, because from there – um, I want to talk about the, the Escape Hotel because it sounds like a great hotel to me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. it's not like a party, like it's like a mansion of crazy. Somewhere O.J. Simpson would have stayed. I know, yeah. But um, <laughs> you know he's the new Bachelor, right? I'm just right. No, who is? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, no, I don't know. I'm just I saw someone say something on Facebook, and I just thought, come on, that's really funny. But anyway, I, I wanted, wanted to talk about actually, this beginning. Actually, I, I heard. I heard that women are just dying to meet him. That's what I read on Facebook. I about fell over when I saw that. Yeah, Facebook. Anyway. God, I wish Facebook was around to watch you guys as you know as you were touring because this set you off. You met Rick Bowen, and what was interesting to me was this was kind of the beginning of using stadiums as you know concerts, like concert venues, and the big festival. I know Woodstock kicked it off, and then. There were some bum festivals that happened, like Altamont, where things got violent. But And you did a few crazy, crazy festivals. But that was like how you got your start, was being an opening act for all these different touring performers, right? That's well, correct. Well, what happened was Rick Bowen was um, president of a company called East Coast Concerts, which uh, went down the Atlantic all the way from Florida up into the Carolinas. And uh, uh, they were part of Concert West, who was based out of uh, Dallas, Texas who at the time uh, were doing all the supergroups. They were doing, you know, Zeppelin and uh, Grand Funk, who were at their peak then. And uh, so they started the whole concept of uh, – and they actually became our management company. And uh, we they were able to put us on shows, festivals, with any of the shows they were doing. Um, so we never got stuck on a, on a you know, four-month tour with the same band. You know, we would jump around and play with five or – six different, different bands a week, you know, at, at our peak. So um, you couldn't ask for anything better. They, they actually became our management, and they were the reason we were able to, you know, do so many great shows with so many great artists. It's amazing. And, and Bruce Springsteen, he opened for you, right? 
Yeah. Right. How cool is that? In, in, Richmond, in Richmond, Virginia, playing an acoustic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, he, wow. he didn't have a band yet. You never know, band yet. That that's that's amazing when you think about the history. I mean Edgar Winter. I mean Steve Miller Band. I mean I was just the list is incredible. But also going back to the stadium thing too. You guys started doing fireworks on stage and and even utilizing shotguns, and all of that ended up in some craziness. And so I mean the, the, this is when you think about where metal was you know becoming. I know that you, Black Sabbath. You guys loved him and met Ozzy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, 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 we just want to know. Could you understand him? Yeah. Yeah. Ozzy. Yeah. He was. He wasn't the Ozzy that he became. I mean, he. Oh. We. Uh, yeah. We hung out with all of them. Uh, I hung out a lot with Tony because uh, I was interested in his guitar stuff, and he was, mm. you know, showing me, gave me some strings, and and you know, but Ozzy's the one we sat down with in the bleachers and ate cheesesteaks with, and and him and Geezer. But uh, Ozzy was a sweetheart. Uh, mm. he, he, I understood him perfectly. A, even after the show, uh, and one of the few times I will say, I don't know, that night, Fayetteville was, was really our town, Fayetteville, North Carolina. We had played this place before, and the people loved us there. And uh, they were actually saying, bring back Bang during Black Sabbath, which, wow. you know, yeah, nice. it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild because I mean, Sabbath they were so great, you know. And and when I we got off stage, we had given Ozzy our our record, the Bang album, and and he looked at me and said, "What the fuck did you guys do?" <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, like in total disbelief, you stand there in his underwear, just like, you know, what the hell happened? You know, and we we're like, we don't know. We didn't tell him to say that. <laughs> Oh, man. So, you know, so I went up and I showed him, you know. 
Oh, that and, is awesome. Uh, said, this, this is how you play it, and he didn't know who I was, and I didn't tell him who I was. <laughs> I just started <laughs> start teaching him how to play it, you know. But he was going, "That's cool, man. Thanks." So it was, it was really like you know, you grow up hearing when you're in the business, when you want to be, you know, doing, uh, you know, be a rock star or whatever. You know, the parents are saying, you know, you got to get an education, you got to go to school, and and you got to do this, and you got to do that. You'll never do anything. You know, you hear all that, and then all of a sudden, you know, all that negative stuff. You, you're kind of like going, yeah, right. Look, look what we're doing. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because when Frank and I left left Claymont, we were pretty much, yeah, the parents pretty much had it with us. <laughs> And then we come back a few months later with a record, and they're like, I always knew they would make it. I always knew. (laughs) See how then you played mother for them. But I I wanted to bring up, because you were so young, this was so funny to me. And literally, I, I read your book like really in a day because we were out with a friend who helping a friend going through all this medical stuff. And so you're sitting in the medical place with all kinds of people. And reading this book, and, and I just want to go, dude, check this out. Look what happened, you know, because I still believe this has to be a movie. And then you're so young, and then you walk into the theater. We have to talk about Bang Day because it's all related. You're so young. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in nursing into your busy day. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Balance online coursework and in-person, local clinical, practicum, or immersion hours as you work towards graduation while leaving room for what matters. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. You walk into the theater to see Deep Throat and you're eating hot dogs? Seriously? That's correct. You know what? All right. <laughs> Walking down the aisle, reading the movie. Can you imagine me doing this? In a, I mean, no. reading this, not doing it. Reading it Guys. in a doctor's office and hitting Nancy like, I've got to tell you what they did. <laughs> no, no. We we had been in a studio all day long. We were, I think, Frank, was that, were we doing Mother or were we doing uh, music? It had, I guess Mother. Mother, yeah. It must have, it must have been Mother, right? Out of, oh, out of, even uh, better. Factory. <laughs> and we were and we were starving, and we wanted to see the movie. It just came out, and and we didn't even think about it. Come on, I mean, I, we had no idea. We knew what the movie was about, but the timing was impeccable because you know we we stopped at concession stand, grabbed a couple. If I'm not mistaken, Frank, weren't they foot long hot dogs? Yeah, oh, yes, they right. were. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's and terrible. we had no idea. And we took a bite before we even opened up the door to go in. And as soon as we walk in, it's when you know she's going down on a, you know on, on a doctor, and it was, everybody in the theater turned around and looked at us and just burst out laughing. <laughs> it's like, and, and at that point, we dished the foot-long hot dogs. At that point, immediately. That's it. And you never looked at a hot dog the same again. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. So, so what about what about Bang Day? So. Capitol Records is like you're gonna have Bang Day, and you guys get arrested for jaywalking. Like, well, Fra- was Frankie, deal back then. Frankie must have been tired. He Frankie stayed at the hotel, uh, but me and Tony, I mean, all of us, that was our first time in Hollywood, and um, <laughs> and me and Tony wanted to go down Hollywood Boulevard and just check it out and see what was happening. And you know, it was like one or two o'clock in the morning, and we're from a small little state, you know, uh, and. They don't have, you know, don't walk signs in Claymont, Delaware. So we proceeded to cross Hollywood Boulevard, and uh, uh. the don't walk sign came on halfway across the street, and we kind of, you know, lottied out across the street. I mean, there was very little traffic, and as soon as we got on the other side, the police pulled us over, started to frisk, you know, threw handcuffs on us, and says, you know, you're busted for jaywalking. And it's like, dude, you know, we've only been in Hollywood for like 10 hours, you know. I didn't know anything about this. Anyway, they threw us in the Hollywood jail. It took us about an hour or two to be able to get a hold of Rick, our manager, who was staying at the Holiday Inn on Highland Avenue. And he came down and bailed me and Tony out of jail. And with no sleep, we walk in the Capitol Tower, um, Mm. who has the most beautiful, original record um, offices in the world. The Capitol Tower is just amazing. Um, 
I, mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't know if you girls know, but the concept of that uh, was meant to resemble a stack of forty fives on top of mm-hmm. each yeah. other. Yeah, that awesome. was the whole design idea. So anyway, we walk in. They're playing the bang record in the elevators. They're showing, uh, you know, Debbie does the Keystone Cops. I mean, for some <laughs> reason they they translate they translate Dallas it wasn't made right yet. Away. Yeah. <laughs> Debbie gets around. <laughs> but anyway, it was just an incredible thing to, uh, you know, we we signed with Capitol for the biggest reason because the Beatles were on Capitol, and to mm. us, you know. Without those guys, um, you know, they were our, the, our main thrust. that really gave us the initial spark to want to be, you know, musicians and be songwriters. And uh, to be at the Capitol Tower and, you know, to be on the label with the Beatles and, and the band and uh, Steve Miller and Grant Funk, uh, you know, it was, that's why awesome. we went with Capitol because the Beatles were there. But in, in hindsight, we should have went with Atlantic, who also wanted us. It was more of a rock-oriented mm. label that I think would have not uh, would have taken us more as a rock band and, and not told us to write a song like Helen Reddy, you know? But, yeah, I, know, that's just, I still can't stand that. I do want to bring up that, um, so now all four of the albums, Death of a Country, Bang, Mother, or Bow to the King, and Bang Music, all of those are on a Finnish label, right? Svart Records, am I saying that right? Yes. Yes. Okay, sounds so like, people can get that. Sounds like. Sounds like. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, the other. The other it's yeah, a silent bang. Silent but Yes. So Smart Records, and uh, so they're they're on vinyl too, and that to me is so cool. Thank God vinyl's coming back because I t- listening to your music. That's how I want to hear it. Uh, I know it's mm-hmm. available on MP3s. So everyone, just go to bangmusic.com. For all of it, uh, the book, the music, you can get ringtones. Uh, and, and I know I, I want to bring up the ringtone when we say "spart," but anyway, no. <laughs> but uh, but no, really. I'm just this is go to bangmusic.com for everything. But I love the fact that you did vinyl. Is that a choice that you know that that you like? Hey, we really want it in vinyl, or or were they just no? We hey, this is how we no, do it. No, we it had it had to be. You know, it's funny. Um, you don't make money. Uh, selling records anymore, obviously, and without merch, you know, you're you're pretty much don't make mm-hmm. any money when you do shows. So, uh, along with our T-shirts and other things, you know, vinyl was uh, um, is big, I mean, it's coming back. So, uh, a company Thank out of God. Finland approached us, and they wanted to do uh, our Capital catalog. And not only is it vinyl, I mean, I remember the vinyl back in the day. You used to be able to shake it like a paper towel. I mean, mm-hmm. it was very thin. Um, you know, the collector editions that smart, it was like 180 gram vinyl and that's like mm. a ceramic tile. I mean, it's just yeah. no, must weigh a, must weigh a pound, but, um, they did such a good job and you're right. I, we talk about rolling papers and who doesn't remember getting their album and, you know, and rolling yeah. a joint on it and, and reading the liner notes and, you know, looking through it and, um, it, it was, it was Those a religious days, experience. Huh? Yeah. It was a that's religious how it's supposed experience. supposed to be. One of the exactly. best days I ever had was in South Africa, and I fl- and <laughs> airplane stories. <laughs> you guys have some of the better ones. Um, and just nothing bad happened on the flight except for I was suddenly I'd flown all over to these places, but now I was alone, and so the first thing I did was have a cocktail on the plane because they let you drink when you're younger, you know, in South Africa. And <laughs> right, I found right, out when sure. I got to the States, when I was 19, they're like, sorry, you can't drink. Don't you know so better? Funny. I was like, bite me. But, and that was like, anyway, I don't want to talk about that plane ride. I really needed a cocktail or something. But I flew to go see my, in South Africa, you are mandated. It was mandatory to serve in the military when you came out of high school as a, as a man. You were mm-hmm. a boy, actually, at this point. Or you had to go to university, and then they're going to get you after that to go in and serve yeah. in the military. One, one way or the other, you're going. So my, Alistair, my boyfriend, had had leave, and so I flew up to Joburg, Johannesburg, to meet with him. But his friend came to pick me up, and he was so stoned, he didn't know where he parked the car. All I knew is he had long, dark hair, kind of like yours, Frank, how, how you know, that long, curly black hair. Okay. And I, I finally meet him. I only I figure out it's him strolling around the airport because I knew Alistair and I was like, that guy looks stoned. 
and he's got long hair, and he's lost, and I'm lost. So I'm like, hey, man, I can't even remember his name. <laughs> but I went to his house, and his mother was freaked out. I walked in his, his room. We were just supposed to hang and wait for Alistair, and he had albums everywhere, this toy train set, and this <laughs> big pile of pots on a newspaper. Oh, just, uh, I mean, like a big pyramid. And I was like, damn, I heard some of the best music in my life. Deep Purple was in there, Ozzy, uh, everything. Like, it was like an education of music in, in that time mm-hmm. frame. That was fun. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> but those are the days, music should be like that, where you sit the down and whole, listen, you know? The whole you know? world needs to go, there's certain places in history that are better than others. And if we're mm-hmm. going to keep going backwards, which we are at rapid space, I'd like to stop in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. You and me, you and me both. You know, we, we I were don't want to go all the way back to the 1920s, thank you very much. I don't want to go back no, to slave days. Duke Ellington was you know, cool, you know, Well, but you know what I'm saying, we, you know, because we're going we were backwards. So lucky. We were so lucky to live in, in that particular generation. I mean, that's when – Yeah. That's, a, that's when everything started to change. That's when change was possible. That's when, like Tom Petty, you know, that's when, the, you know, everything, mm. the, the great wide open. Uh, everything yeah. was just, you know, opened up for everybody just to contribute and, and do what they did. And what happened was, it, you know, I, I, I love a lot of the newer bands, don't get me wrong, but the, the 60s, the 70s, everybody mm had their own sound you know you heard the who you knew it was the who mm. you know you Bang, heard yeah, Zeppelin, yeah. you knew you heard whatever but now once the 80s and the big hair and you know the 90s and sure there was great bands in those decades but in the 60s and 70s everybody had their own brand their own sound and and that's mm. the difference that i think and that's why i think bands like us can still exist it's because uh we we played europe for the first time and our first show in Stockholm, Nancy, Lisa, um, we had 20-year-olds and we had 70-year-olds, 50 years so of awesome. life of people who knew who we were and were actually singing with me. And awesome. I'll tell you what, never in my life, I, I, was, I could have died and went to heaven right there. It was like the, the most supreme moment of realizing, my God, as a musician, all you want to do is, is create something and have somebody get it. You know, yeah. but to be in Sweden for the first time and to see these these people that couldn't even speak English, but you know they knew all the words. I mean, uh, it That's was amazing. Uh, I, I was tel- Teflon at that point. You know, uh, I could have got shot and it would have bounced off me like Superman because it uh, that was like the ultimate reward that really showed me in particular that uh, you know what it validated every decision I made in my life to become a musician. You know, mm. and uh, I, I love wh- it. I, I, I can totally see Europe getting it and understanding. And we've got a lot of friends over there, and and they collect records and they know bands that I'm like, no way, because I, I mean, I'm we're friends with all ages, and it's like I want people, younger generation in this country, to hear stuff like yours because they need to hear it. Not just they need to freaking listen to it and get it because it's like it's real and it's uncluttered. And, and unsynthesized. This synthesized uh, well, stuff is like th- you had like the wall of sound too. I mean, you had like that build, that big wall of sound. Yeah. The wall of sound. <laughs> you did not invent that. Was, that. that was Phil Spector. That was before us. Um, <laughs> you know, that was Phil Spector. You know, I I think um, <laughs> now you know what. All of it was. I think I think I, think I need <laughs> Frank. You have any rolling papers by any chance? Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I want to go to Tucson. I want to go see. I want to go see Nancy and Lisa up close and personal. Oh uh, yeah, you've got to so come hang out with us. And Tucson. So what are you, now, what Tucson, are you guys wearing? And, uh, I want to know what you guys are wearing. Okay. That's nothing. <laughs> Shorts and t-shirts with margaritas. No kidding. But no, right. Tucson oh, no, has the, has the best. Dragonfly. Oh, you have a dragonfly. I got wings. I got flower power because we're we're. <laughs> We're like oh, the hippie house wow. here, but, I love but that. I love Tucson that. is becoming the newer city of independent music. We're the gastronomy mm-hmm. capital, UNESCO mm-hmm. gastronomy capital. So we got a lot of munchies. Um, we're by are you border. close to Are you close to Santa Fe? Are you close to Santa Fe in, in Tucson? About seven hours. We're, okay. We're near, our, yeah, we're on the south. We're like southern Arizona. We are on the border. Our original original road manager, Tommy Wingate, uh, actually works at a movie ranch in Santa Fe. He's been out there for about 15 or 20 years. 
and he's been bugging me to come out to Santa Fe forever. And and I, I want to come. We've never played in Arizona, and there's so many places oh, that uh, that we've never played that we hopefully we'll we'll get to you know remedy that remedy that pretty soon. You got to keep uh, us posted because Tucson is really. I mean, it's nice to see independent music. A friend of ours. Um, they've got a band, the Elegant Rabies, and it's like he's from the 60s. Him and his partner, Spider, Spider and Michael are their name. Uh, Spider, unfortunately, since passed. Awesome guitar player. Um, Frankie, you guys, I, I wish I could put you both in a room, you know, because of the, 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 the talent of the guitar, just the talent. Um, and they, he's recreated a new band. Um, they were the original, one of the first glam punk bands in Hollywood. Yeah. In the early 70s. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you ever heard Red Wedding, but that then Hey Taxi and all these bands. But um, they've done all kinds of styles, but now they've come out. He's got the Elegant Rabies, and I love the name anyway. But they, <laughs> I mean, it's going back to, to the roots of music, of the roots of rock and roll, um, but the psychedelic roots. So, I mean, if we go to the roots of rock and roll, we're going into the blues and all that, you know. And, and but this has got that psychedelic side to it. So it's really cool to see things change up here in Tucson for the music scene. It's, it's awesome. So I'm glad if you guys come down here, you've got to let us know. But before you guys go, we're gonna, we've got to play Bada the King because we've got to talk about that story. But I want to know, for each of you, you toured with so many greats. Is there someone that you have not toured with that is alive or passed on that you wish you could share the stage with? Oh, absolutely. Zeppelin. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's. I mean, I would love to hang with Jimmy Page. <laughs> oh my God, that would be so badass. Could you imagine that? That would be like a concert. Yeah. Like, okay, so if that ever happens, like, I want to be there. <laughs> that happens. What about you, Frank? Oh, uh, you know, that's a tough one. Um, geez. Dead or alive, huh? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it doesn't um, matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I just wish a different plane. I wish we would have got an opportunity to play with Tom Petty, actually. Uh, that would have been yeah. great. We kind of missed, missed the boat. Um, you know, um, but as, as far as, you know, even Hendrix, uh, you know, too bad he passed away by the time we, we, uh, we, we, we went by. But uh, there's a lot of great bands. It's hard because, you know what, music is a mood, and, and there's so many different moods that you're in, so, and there's so many different bands that uh, – to fit that mood, that particular mood. Mm-hmm. So as far as bands we didn't play with, uh, I know we play mostly with everybody. So um, I'm yeah. going to have to pass on that one. <laughs> yeah. nothing, nothing jumps at me. So nothing what about, what, what's up with Tony? So is he, is he still you know, performing with you guys? I know that, I mean, this is an interesting story too, because you were both very young, but he was a little older than you. He's married with kids. He's into retail and, you know, like a whole, and it, you guys played in his basement, <laughs> but... So what, what, how's he doing? I, now? I painted, I painted his uh, his building with the one inch brush. It took me three months to paint it. That was one of my day jobs. Um, what can we say about what can we say about Tony? He, uh, you know, the hardest thing about music isn't music. It's it's um, being able to blend, find the right personalities uh, to be mm-hmm. able to, you know, finding a mate in life is is very hard. But trying to find two or three musicians that. Uh, have the same drive, they like the same kind of music, uh, that's hard to find. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always thought that, you know, playing music would, would be hard. I mean, uh, writing music would be hard, uh, but getting a band would be easy. You know, it's the exact opposite. Music is easy. It's just finding the personalities that, mm-hmm. that can mesh yeah. and that can really, you know, put their minds Because I really believe strongly that if you really believe in, in what you do, uh, you can inflict your will, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that because if people see you believing what you do so much, that energy is going to translate to an audience. Whether they love your music or not, they're going to see the honesty of it and are going to feel the the love that you're putting into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoken, um, like, spoken like a true that, pothead, that's for sure. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't deny that's who I am, man. <laughs> so oh my you, God! So when you come to we're gonna get these you, emails now. Thank you well, so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see, why you know, we don't so open the chat room on Tucson, our shows anymore? He, Frank, when we come to Tucson, we see Frank. He he's gonna be inflicting his will on you. Okay? <laughs> 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 now, now, listen. Tony, I, I've known I've known Frankie since seven years. Let's see, I'm gonna kick his ass later. Don't worry about it. We've known each other too long. But finish <laughs> no, up on Tony, Frank. 
finish up on Tony. Yeah, to- Tony is still with us. Uh, he stopped playing drums right after that session. Uh, you know, uh, he just after he heard Bruce, he he just Bruce Gary just kind of said, yeah. "What am I doing?" Which was disappointing because he would have gotten better. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he would have, and but at the, he just decided he didn't want to play anymore. So that then we Aww. we uh, we used other drummers, but Tony is still with us. Uh, he he still writes all our lyrics. Awesome. Uh, as cool. matter, matter of fact, we're down here in Stanton, Virginia, writing right now. And awesome. uh, Frank and I, and Tony will be joining us a little later with on Skype. Oh, and, cool! Uh, we already have a, a book of lyrics that, that we're working on, and uh, and putting the music to them. And then Tony will change up the lyrics as we're writing to fit the song, you know. And so it's a, it's awesome. a process that we still have and we still utilize. And so Tony's a big, big part of the band as always. Well, you got to keep us posted on the new music for sure. And you know what, that just before we go here, cause we, we do have to get going, but one of the things I cracked up in the book was like when you got your album out and bang, there was the sheet music. And I'm like, do they still do that? Do, is sheet music? I mean, is Hal Leonard still around? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. I, well, I don't know if he is, but yes, sheet music is still around. <laughs> wow. I did, yeah, uh, Capital cool. actually I told it. me to, to not learn to, because uh, I was well-read back then. I was I was teaching jazz lessons and all that, and Capital actually told me to stop that because I was uh, – because it was it was taking being basic out of it, and rock and roll is basic, you mm-hmm. know, which which I found strange at the time, but now I can understand it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but the, the you know first time I saw questions on sheet music, I said, oh really, that's what I did. <laughs> that's that's yeah. cool, man. That's cool. So okay, we're gonna play Bow to the King. So uh, mm-hmm. tell us the story about this. Because you you met another special person. You've met so many people. Mm. This has to be a movie. Seriously. Yes, I want Ozzy well, Osbourne, the real one in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one can play him. <laughs> Frank, you want to go ahead with Bow? Bow to the king. Um, Tony, um, Muhammad Ali was one of Tony's idols. He, he loved Muhammad. Who didn't love Muhammad? He was a, one of the first great. Um, Americans who who stood up for what he believed in, and um, anyway, we we actually uh, he loved Mohammed. We had written a song. Uh, we were at the Philadelphia airport, and who do we run into but Mohammed and, and his wife? Um, and you know, we told him that you know we had written a song about him, and you know we we sent him an album, and you know we really hoped that he you know listened to the song, and and basically. Um, you know, we got home later that night, and, and Tony got a phone call, uh, and, and, you know, the voice on the other end of the line said, uh, Tony, this is Mrs. Muhammad Ali. You know, uh, Muhammad wanted me to tell you that he listened to the album, and uh, he really loves the song. So uh, maybe a few days later, Tony got an 8 by 10 um, photo of Muhammad, and on it he wrote, next time Joe Frazier – Next time I fight Joe Frazier, he will bow to the king. And and he actually fought Joe Frazier a couple months after that and, and did, did win did win the fight. So and what Tony remembers more than anything was how big Mohammed's hands were and how soft they were, just how gentle, you know, he was as a human being. So uh but uh, that was one of uh uh, Tony, Tony was great with writing stories, great stories. And to me, you know, as much as I love our music, uh, without the lyrics, uh, I don't think the music would have really translated the way it has. Uh, the, the lyrics were a very, very major part of who Bang was. Absolutely. Because uh, we told stories, I, I love, whether it was the, whether it was I the Queen or whether it was Red Man. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we had to because uh, to me. Uh, without the lyrics, we we wouldn't have been, you know, half the band we were. Mm. And I, I want to say this too, <laughs> so we, Joe we Frazier. You, I have... We love you, Tony. So yeah, yeah. Hey, love, Tony. Girl. We give a shout out to Tony. Um, <laughs> one of the singers that we we show her music off on on the shows all the time, Doreen Taylor. She's an incredible vocalist and Broadway hit coming I'm, out for her. Uh, Doreen Taylor. I know Doreen. And she, you know, I know Doreen. Doreen. Oh, yes, She's I on do. our shows all the time. So her latest album that. is Happily Ever After. And mm-hmm. she became friends with Joe Frazier, and she wrote the song Unstoppable for him since he passed away. They became mm-hmm. really yep. good friends. 
So it's just, mm-hmm. this is like a bookend story here. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, but I just uh, have to say real quickly, because I know we got to go, but um, um, when I was in Kenya, I was taking tours of, of people over to Kenya. Um, Muhammad Ali was in Kenya, and at the time he was considered the, P- the peace ambassador from the United States to Kenya. Mm-hmm. Yes. However, however. Do you have I, to tell this story? I know. I just, it's interesting. He was in um, a restaurant, and for whatever reason, I don't know what happened. Nobody ever seemed to know what really happened, but he decked a waiter. <laughs> and then that and was said, you will bow to the king. Yeah, so somebody bowed to the king right there and there. I don't, I mean, you know, <laughs> don't mess with it. I don't it. know what, you know, nobody really it's knew, it's it's seemed the, to the figure out. The food must have been bad. The food must have Something, been really bad, obviously. But that yeah. was the end of the peace ambassador to Kenya. <laughs> That's funny. Right. Anyway, no. there you go. Next <laughs> Take Nancy to ruin it all, you know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Please keep us posted on your new music because we want to be, like, one of the first there, man, because, yeah, we we love the music. The story, again, uh, movie people out there, this has got to be made into a movie. It has to be. Uh, Go to bangmusic.com to keep – go watch the videos on there. Go check and perform, and, and mm. there's one, you've got one video on there from when you guys were performing back in the day, the beginning of the story, you know, right after the zigzag papers. Yeah, um, the, the following, that, that was Steppenwolf in Richmond. Yeah, playing with Ste- yeah. Yeah, Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. Um, and everyone, again, the book is The Bang Story, From the Basement to the Bright Lights. Again, it's uh, the biography is by Lawrence Knorr, Frank Ferrara. Tony DiOrio and Frank Gilkin. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also through sunburypressstore.com. But go to bangmusic.com for everything. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank you, well, ladies. Thank you, Nancy, Lisa. Thank Behave you so yourself much. now. Yeah, right. Okay. And lay off the hot dogs. Everybody, here it is. Bow to the king. <laughs> <laughs> King is dressed. 